The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. And I'm guessing most of you are Philly fans, too. So it is a good morning here on Birds <laughs> 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Yeah, Philly's up one nothing against the Marlins. Certainly stayed up for all of that last night. But we're, right, we're, we're rested and we're ready to go with you to talk Philadelphia Eagles for the next two hours. Here we got two good guests. We'll give you the details on that coming up in just a couple Johnny Mack, you had uh, media availability for the two coordinators. I got a bunch of questions for you on that. Three coordinators. Thing... Don't forget Michael. Oh, shoot. Did I forget yeah. Michael Clay? My apologies to my. Hey, I, I've gotten on Michael Clay's, Michael Clay's case because I think the Eagles special teams have uh, not been good in previous seasons. And not sure he earned himself a contract extension this past offseason. But I got to give him props. He's, he's done a pretty good job this year with a lot of movable parts. And I think the priority to special teams is down here for the Philadelphia Eagles. So you're not going to get a complaint from me for Michael Clay. So my apologies for leaving him out of uh, yesterday's conversation. But first things first, will Michael Clay be getting a uh, addition to his special teams with the addition of Bradley Roby to the Philadelphia Eagle practice squad? Yeah, happy uh, Bradley Roby Day. Um, I don't know if that's bigger than a win in red October, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know about special teams. I mean, he's here to play slot corner, um, and we'll see how quickly they can get him up to speed. They're going to start him out on the practice squad. 
Uh, he's got to get in game shape, obviously. Um, hasn't been uh, there. Uh, so it, it'll take a little time to ramp up. But they should have a couple games uh, before the trade deadline. I don't think this is, you know, precluding anything. Uh, if they see something at the trade deadline that they think uh, might help them, I don't think they're going to dismiss it because Bradley Roby is here. But um, it's a veteran player, played a lot of football, played a lot in the slot. Um and they need a slot corner. The, the Bradbury in the slot long term was not going to work. And I give him credit for recognize it, even though they won't admit it publicly. They obviously recognize it. And that's a positive sign. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's another mercenary market. This is where the Eagles, I, I said, Howie in a lot of ways created this market. And I thought it was going to be a bigger deal moving forward after what happened last year. And it might turn out to be nothing. You know, Rashawn Evans turned out to be nothing. Um, but, you know, there are veteran players sitting and saying, you know what, I don't want to deal with training camp. I don't want to do this. I'll, I'll pick and choose a potential contender. And that's certainly what Roby's camp is saying. He had other opportunities no way of proving that, but he wanted to to, to pick and choose and, and try to find a contender. And here, here he is. So we'll see how it works out. All right. And unless those other contenders were a team like the Bears, who most people expected to be the Texans, who most people expected to be bad, uh, I'm not sure that I'm buying it. Last year, well, you got the great phrase. What what are you calling the defensive tackles Eagle signed last year? Mercenary market. The mercenary market. I agreed with you wholeheartedly last year. I think both of those guys wanted no part of training camp. Big guys uh, sweating in in August sun. I, I believe every every minute of that with those two guys, and guys who had made specifically in Dominican Sioux, whole lot of money. So if you're waiting and waiting, well, you're losing money. Every week that you wait, that's a week that you're not on the roster and not getting paid. Those two guys didn't have to worry about that because they made a lot of money during their career. Bradley Roby wasn't always a highly paid cornerback. So he's a guy who I think would actually look at the bottom line and go, how many weeks am I going to be out before I sign? I think it's less believable than it was last year. Last year, I had to get the nail right on the head. It might be the case again this year, if I'm giving you my opinion, I don't think there was anyone who was jumping out to give him a chance to play. There might have been some teams that said, stay in shape if we have some injuries. And let's be honest, the reason that Bradley Roby's here is because the Eagles have all the injuries that they have in their defensive backfield. If they didn't, Bradley Roby wouldn't be a Philadelphia Eagle. He could have sit, he could have sat and wait. Oh, I'm waiting for the Eagles to sign me so I can get a chance of taking a run at the Super Bowl. And then he never gets signed. Uh, no, I, I think that's less likely a fit here than it was last year. But whatever percentage fit it was, yeah, the Eagles are benefiting from it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Bradley Roby's, you know, financial history, but, I mean, he should be fine. <laughs> you know, this is a former first-round pick. So he played out his rookie deal with the Broncos, and, and he got the fifth-year option. So that was upwards of $9 million. Then he signed a big-money deal in Houston. Um three years, 30 million. So I'm looking at his career earnings while you're talking. He's at 40, he's over 48 million. Eh, it's better than I thought it would be. If you can't get through life, you got some issues. 
Um, and, and there are plenty of people who live above their means, even in the NFL. So I don't know what's going on from that perspective, but yeah, I mean, he's made a lot of money in his career. Um, he's, you know, part of it is he's a cornerback and he's 31 going on 32. Um, so we all know how they feel about that. He's used to making a lot of money. So he could have probably, I, I mean, I buy, he could have gotten a one year Nick Morrow type deal, you know, veteran minimum, but this is a guy used to making a heck of a lot more than that. So yeah, I, I completely buy. He was waiting around for the right spot. That part of it, I'm, I'm not sure how much he has left. I mean, that that's into the equation. He didn't play all that well with the saints last season. Um, was looking up his PFFs. He had his career low grade last season. Worst run defense grade of his career and missed a bunch of tackles uh, at the second highest rate of his career. So how much does he have left? I don't know. Um, But is he better than the options here right now? Probably. You know, so we'll see. I don't, as the same with Evans, you know, people get excited when you bring former first-round picks in. Uh, he was here for three days, and they got a quick look at him, and that was it. Yeah, it's seen enough. Um, so just uh, – I know this is pure speculation on your part. How long is it going to take them up, get him up to speed? Uh, you, you you, and I are not hanging out in his local high school gym or where he's doing his yeah. uh, just physical well, cornerbacks tend to, to be in up. really good shape, number one. I mean, you can't play cornerback at a high level in the NFL, unless you're a tremendous athlete. So I think he's probably in pretty good shape and I'll get to see him today, but that's different than, Mm. than football shape. Um, So I I can't imagine he's playing this weekend, but I I do think they want to get a look at him before the trade deadline and, and get as much information as possible before. And that's coming up quickly. So you know how how it was described to me, and I'm trying to uh, bring up the the text message. Uh, he's going to join the practice squad, get him in game shape, learn the defense, and and be elevated at some point. So they'll have three elevations um, um, to work with. But again, October 31st uh, trade deadline. I I would think they would want to have at least enough information to make a decision can we do better at the trade deadline so i i expect him out on the field um not this week but but the week after right so he signs the practice squad and they had a full practice squad so someone had to go kyron johnson uh after being a draft pick just one year ago was let go from the practice squad he was let go from the regular squad but then resigned to the practice squad now he's not even on the practice squad anymore uh so i was a little surprised by that but not the guy he, he already got cut and brought back so this is the second time uh so clearly he's you know at the back end of the at the at the at the practice squad, yeah. I mean, they have a lot of edge rushers, and they tried him a little bit at uh, um, all ball linebacker, which he he played some all ball linebacker in college as well. But 
Yeah, I mean, he they've already done that a couple times with him on the practice squad, sort of. So he might be back at some point, but uh, clearly he's at the bottom level of the practice squad as well. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, here's uh, the question that I have for you, because, shoot, we debated it yesterday before the addition of Mr. Roby, how the Eagles are going to juggle their elevations this week. On a weekly basis, it seems like we're trying to figure out what the Eagles are going to. I don't know. Does every team do this, Johnny? I don't follow everybody's roster every single week, and I don't know if you do either. But not, it's... not, not as much. Well, everybody churns the back end of the practice squad, if that's what you mean. No, but... I mean the elevation. You only have three elevations for player. Who are you elevating? On yeah, a there's a week? lot of teams that don't even elevate people if they're healthy. Because remember, you you have a 53 man, man roster. You can only dress 47, so it's incumbent the guys on your 53 a lot of times uh can't even play so you usually elevate for a specific reason injuries um and 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 that nature i would say the eagles especially with the punter situation are and and even punt returner early before they put covey back on the 53 um yeah, they're they're probably ahead of the curve in manipulating that stuff. A lot of teams you'll see they'll elevate one guy or no, no, no guys. guys. Yeah. Um, so they're definitely, yeah. um, and I think that's good to utilize all the because the rules are different now, so you can do different things. And the Eagles have tried to keep players that maybe have the high upside on the fifty-three, but aren't ready to play right now, and they been able to do that by utilizing the practice squad and as long as you don't get pilfered and they did on uh, the tight end brady russell um you know they couldn't they already have four tight ends albert o can't uh can't play can't get past grant calcutta so you can't keep brady russell you can't elevate him to the 53 and and you're gonna lose guys occasionally but I don't think anybody's worried about losing Brady Russell at this point. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's just a continuous Contavious Pope is here. Again. Uh, we got a Contavious three here again for another week. Uh, I still can't quite figure out why he's on the, not only 53 man roster, but 42nd gets uh, put up on game day. Yeah. So on September 4th, when the Eagles brought back Nick Morrow, and they signed Tyre Phillips to the practice squad. They released Kyron Johnson and Tiwan Mullen, uh, the cornerback. Um, and they both they brought both of those guys back. Uh, Mullen's on the practice squad again. Kyron was on the practice squad, obviously, until getting uh, released again. So there's a lot of churn. Um, and yeah, sem- I'm looking September fifteenth. They, they signed Rashawn Evans to the practice squad on September 12th, and they, they released him on September 15th. That's how quick it was. Hope you had a three-day three, three day good stay here in Philadelphia, Rashawn. Uh, I understand the whole churning the bottom of the practice squad, and it's uh, it's trying to take advantage of the system. I give the Eagles and Howie Roseman in specific a lot of credit for that, but sometimes it uh, does get make make decisions tougher on game day, but I guess they live for that stuff, getting the exact right guys ready to go, and we'll see when Mr. Roby is ready to go. All right, Deshaun, uh, uh, excuse me, 
Uh, Sean Desai spoke yesterday, talked about a couple of things on defense and the usage of Bradbury in the slot and giving him his props for it and the like. Um, do you think he's excited about the addition to a new uh, uh, slot corner when Roby's ready to play? I guess my question is, do you think Desai really likes Bradbury? He, he's the guy who's weighing it as much as anybody else, taking him off the outside, put him on the inside. Do you think he believes that uh, Bradbury has done a good job in there? Oh, he loves Bradbury. I mean. As uh, a slot corner. Um, he loves him as everything. Um, that's the reason they put him in there. But they also recognize, and good for them, because I was starting to worry about it, that, uh, you know, it's much better to have him on the outside than it is on the inside. It's a more important position. I mean, talk about the valuation of the positions as a whole. And another thing the Eagles are good at, outside corners get paid more than slot corners for a reason. Um, you know, it's a more important position. So you have an all pro player. This is why it never made any sense to me outside. You want them outside. Now, from their standpoint, very similar to the running game in week two and a lot of things, if you got to do something to win a game, you do it. And Bradbury was their best option and they did it, but you don't want to do that long-term. Um, and I think that's where the Eagles are and Sean Desai is. And that's a good sign because I've been saying it from day one. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get the Bradbury move to the slot for multiple snaps. I don't mind it in situation, uh, situation. Kelsey's there. Yeah. All right. Throw him in there. Mike Evans wants to go in the slot. Yeah. Move him in there. Um, but Cooper cup, if he's ready, what do you, I, 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 that's, that's not helping anybody. Um, you're, 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 you know, this game's about matchups and styles and taking advantage, especially offensively. Um, you got a big six foot two, long corner in that traditional traditional cup Edelman type slot receiver. I mean, that's a big advantage for the offense. Um, yeah, it didn't make sense to me. And I'm glad the Eagles have clearly recognized that. Here's why it made sense to me. He was, and probably still is, even with the addition of Roby, their best slot corner who's capable of playing right now. And if you've got a massive drop-off to whoever else you're going to put there, let's try and lessen that drop-off. Now, on the outside, you got to be able to have non a, a non-massive drop-off, which it might very well be with uh, with Bradbury being as good as he is. So uh, it, it's trying to weigh it out on a game-to-game basis. And I, I got no problem with the Eagles making that decision on a game-to-game basis. They didn't say when they moved Bradbury inside, he's our new slot corner. They just said, He's our slot corner for now. So as long as they had the right time frame in mind, I th- I don't think it was that big a problem. And yeah, they did find a way to win the game. And I thought Bradbury played well in there last week against the commanders. All right. You got Mac and Mac here, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. And we're going to add a Mike and Mike. I think there was a radio show called that once. Uh, I believe so. As far as our guests go, we got a Mike and Mike coming your way. Uh, hour number two, Mike Gill. Our weekly contributor from down the shore, uh, ESPN Radio 97.3. But first up, Mike Tanier, who's been good enough to jump in on our show uh, many a times over the last couple of years, writing for the new website, themessenger.com. Mike Tanier up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. 
Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in. Welcome back here on Birds 365. Hey, look at that handsome guy. You can hit the like button right now. You can like Mike Tanya's shirt. What are you wearing today, Tanya? What's that? Little Rutgers Scarlet Night action. Oh, very nice for our Jerseyites, former Rutgers grads. You can go down the Mike Tanya Road. Yes, I've had to add the messenger to my frequently visited websites yeah. these days because they've got uh, my guy Scott Miller writing baseball for him and Mike Tanya writing football for him these days. So check out the new news slash sports website, themessenger.com. How you liking things over there, Mr. Tanya? I'm loving it. You're right. We got Scotty Miller. We got a really good baseball department we got guys like me kaylin jones mike renner in the football department and we're really starting to ramp it up now you know in august it was kind of like hey we're new we're launching now we're getting our feet under us uh and and getting a flow and i'm really enjoying it by the way mike i'm glad you pointed out uh and i i you know we're obviously birds 365 we'll get into plenty of 
Eagles, but if anybody's been following uh, Pittsburgh, uh, the Steelers, <laughs> and what's going on with Matt Canada, uh, or, or what somebody did to Matt Canada, whatever, however you want to look at it, I did notice the same thing you noticed, and I, I don't want to get in that mock, but I'm glad you put up there whispers. That's not how NFL team employee email addresses are configured. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, somebody went to this. I, I don't know who to blame more. The the goop ball that's going through the change password function or the guy <laughs> making this burner account who doesn't know NFL email addresses. But I'm glad you put put that out there. So it's, it's a weird thing. Someone is sort of like catfishing or trolling yeah. Matt Canada by pretending to be a regular fan with a burner account, yeah. like uh, complaining when everyone criticizes Matt Canada. And it's this weird multi-leveled social. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. It's and, weird. And people in Philadelphia know because of Brian Colangelo, Hey, it's happened. So yeah. I'm sure that's where it came from. Right. Uh, where somebody, but yeah, I'm glad you put that out there. So Burn, burner accounts it. aside. I saw a stat this week. You might be able to relate and or uh, give us more information on I'm saying I don't even remember the exact uh, parameters of the stat. The Steelers haven't gained 400 yards in X amount of games under. There's a reason why this whole burning thing is happening, because the Steelers offense is not good, right, Mike? Uh, there's plenty of criticism for the guy as an offensive guy. I have no problem with that. Legitimate right. criticism, yeah. A lot of legitimate criticism if you watch it. Like, watch the Houston Texans game last week. This is the Houston Texans game. And, you know, they're getting stuffed. They're getting sacked. Uh, you're not seeing anything that schemes up to get, like, a George Pickens open where that seems like that should be, like, like you know, 101 offensive strategies. Get this guy open more, and you don't see a lot of it. And the thing with Matt Canada, the Steelers coordinator, I believe he's been the coordinator three years or four years. I still don't know what the philosophy is. Like, he had Roethlisberger at the end, and I know Roethlisberger was toast, and it's like, I don't know what you're trying to do with Roethlisberger, and now I don't know what you're trying to do with Pickett. Is it a short passing, deep passing? It's not an option, read option, anything like that. It's just a bunch of plays, and these plays aren't working. This team is struggling despite a very good defense. Yeah, and there's a lot of coordinators. Um, you could look at uh, uh, Chicago and Luke Getze. I'd look at uh, the Jets. Yeah, I look at everybody who's been involved with Aaron Rodgers, Jody knows, because I think they just got out of the way of Aaron Rodgers. Right. And now uh, they're left to their own devices. It's it's a little bit more difficult. But we'll, we'll use that to get back to the Eagles because Brian Johnson is a first-time uh, play caller in the NFL, at least. Um Hey, the Eagles are 4-0, but nobody seems to be happy here right. in, in Philadelphia, South Jersey, Mike. There's only two 4-0 teams. Right. You can't get Dallas Goddard involved. One week it's it's this, the passing game. Why can't they run the ball against Washington? Have people gotten spoiled in the Delaware Valley? Yeah, I guess every game has got to be a 31-0 blowout. Mm-hmm. And these are not flawless games by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but these are also not 98-pound weakling teams. The Commanders are not a terrible team. The Vikings are not a terrible team. They won 13 games last year. And, and you are winning these games. Last week was clearly harder than you think it should have been. The Goddard thing mystifies me because, like, yeah, if you're one in three, then you start saying, why isn't the tight end more involved in this offense? Well, if you're 4-0 and you say, why isn't the tight end? Because A.J. Brown caught 6 million passes last week. <laughs> because a couple of weeks ago, you ran for 350 yards. The offense is working, and it's working in different ways against different opponents. So, you know, I- I've seen the the Goddard, you know, 
RPO play where he catches like a one yard pass and then he disappears for the rest of the game. It's not like there's been any game where it's like, oh, we better get Goddard involved in this because nothing else is working. Devontae Smith's having a big game. Swift is having a big game. You're fine. Goddard is not some kind of problem there. All that being said, Mike, what are you seeing with Jalen Hurts? I think we can all agree, even the biggest Jalen Hurts fans, yeah. he's not played as well as he did last year. Simply uh, leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think a drop-off from last year to this year? I don't think it's that precipitous. I don't mm-hmm. think he's getting as many running opportunities. I think when he is running, he does look a little slower than he did last year. That's, that's something I noticed when he takes off. Maybe it was because it was the commanders and you got guys like Chase Young who are fast as heck on the defensive line chasing. You, do you think it's slower or tentative? Because exactly. those are two different things. It could be that and they go hand in hand. There's no reason to think he like had an ankle injury or anything like that, that he would be slower. So maybe he's a little tentative. You see teams like the Vikings who said, you are not going to be allowed to do this. We are going to, you know, sort of run blitz the edge, take that away. And like, okay, hand off, you know, 287 rushing yards, whatever it was. <laughs> win the game there so I, I guess the concern was the turnovers against the um the buccaneers that's the thing that i look at and say that is something potentially alarming these these should not be turnovers they should not be interceptions not like i said i don't see the super precipitative drop off here i think it's within the margins of what he does regularly it's just not resulting in these 31 to 10 blowouts yeah i think the biggest part mike is if you come into 2022 uh-huh. And it was ironic because they played Minnesota in week two both years. Right. And they came in the first time with Ed Donatel and the big yeah. Fangio defense. And they just said, all right, we're going to sit back mm-hmm. and make Jalen Hurts throw the football to beat us. Right. And they came in this year and they said, Jalen Hurts isn't going to beat us. Right. Um, off schedule, running the football, and they have six man boxes. Yeah. <laughs> and. Yeah. And and the Eagles took advantage of it both times. I think that's a positive. Yes. Why, why don't people focus more on what's going on? And this is not just Philadelphia. No. Around the NFL, there's an opponent out there, and they're trying <laughs> to accomplish something. And sure. I think it's a, only a positive that the Eagles have said, all right, you're going to do that. We're going to do this. Right. There's an opponent out there who is trying to win, and life existed before the last 10 plays. If there are two drives in a row where something has gone wrong, and, you know, I'll sit in a, a Philly sports tavern or I'll be on the tw- Twitter and like rage has happened. Like, why aren't we running? Why can't we run the ball? What do you mean? Why can't we run the ball two weeks ago? We ran the ball down an opponent's throat. What I do like about Johnson, and I think this is an extension of Sir- Sirianni. I think Stakem did it a little bit as well. If there's something the defense can't do, you're just going to keep attacking, 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 attacking that. Uh, the, the rookie could not cover brown last week you know brian flores was like yeah six in the box five deep picket fence uh defense we're going to be vulnerable up the middle a lot of coordinators are like well no i have my game plan i have all these things i want to get involved and i have all these toys i want to play with the eagles like screw it we're going to throw it to brown until you double cover him or something we're going to run swift up the middle until you bring guys up that's a i mean it's like very old-fashioned but it's a good way of running things and, and the eagles have had success with it this year I need your opinion on this one because it was certainly broached yesterday when the coordinator availability was there and the day before when Sirianni talked to the media. When the Eagles scored on the two-move touchdown Mm -hmm. with a minute and change to play, Mm -hmm. was Mike Tanier's first thought, 
wow, nice play, guys. Way to go. Or, <laughs> wait, what are you doing? You should just be walking off the field a minute and 32 seconds mm-hmm. from now after Elliott kicks the game-winning field goal. What was the it, first thought that went through your head? You don't – like this assumption that you're going to hand off to kill the clock and get the, whatever, 47-yard field goal at the buzzer and that that's guaranteed. I'm pretty pretty close with Jake Elliott. It's not guaranteed in the NFL. And you play to win and you play to score touchdowns. Play to win the game. Play to win the game. And your win probability when you get that touchdown. And, yeah, like you can be sitting there armchair quarterback or like running your Madden control and like, I can run one more play. (laughs) You've got an opportunity there to get seven points. You take it. Okay. And I don't want to nerf Jalen Hurts. It looks like Jalen Hurts makes that call at the line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's like, uh, oh, I see a one on one matchup where we're just going to crush this guy. I'm not going to take it though right now. I'm going to, you know, line up Elliott and, you know, fall down. I don't like it. I don't like snapping the ball extra times. I don't like relying on the kicker. I don't rely on relying on a holder that like just came up. All these other things along the way when you have that chance to take that touchdown. And if that play fails, plan B is to do that. Because where that ball's yeah. thrown, okay, he threw it out of bounds. You can still do all this other stuff to win the game. I think yeah. we're really micromanaging the, you know, sitting around with our – What you have to do when I, – I said the same thing, Mike. It's what you have to do when they win every game um, and you start nitpicking and doing these yeah. things. Yeah. Look, I, I pay lip service to that if Patrick Mahomes is on the other side. or yeah, And, and by the way, it turns into a – like a three-point lead instead of I always want the seven-point lead. Yeah, uh, always. If I'm if they're going to take it and put Forbes as you mentioned, yeah, they're putting Forbes that poor kid on AJ Brown. I'm going to beat that into a drum. It's it's man right. coverage. They get the touchdown. And then the result because the defense didn't hold up and they allow Sam Howell to get the touchdown on the final play of yeah. regulation. Yeah. But guess what, Mike? If AJ doesn't get the taunting penalty, that's probably not even in play. And that taunting penalty is nonsense. I'm yes. sorry. What he does there is nothing. And that's another handing them sort of 15 yards on that. And you have the play before the touchdown by Commanders where if the kid catches the ball, the game's over. Yes. You yes. know, where it kind of skitters away. Yeah. And I know it was another, like, with third down, fourth down, where they get it by the skin of their teeth and it looked really, really, like, almost like, how, how in the world is this happening? All these improbable things happen against the Eagles. By the way, I lost track. If on that Brown touchdown, if you know you just basically say no gain, no gain, run the clock, kick the field goal. Where where are that? Fifty two yards, fifty three yards. I don't remember where that was. Yeah, I'd have to look. I it think up, it was but... long forties. Yeah, forty. Oh, it was long forties. It was less than fifty. I think. Okay. Was, I mean, yeah, I mean, twenty three I want to say. I mean, Jake's probably making it. He's yes. red hot, but as you point, you could have. You know, bad snap, bad hold, a little right. off. You never know on a particular play. Nothing's a given. I, right. If 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 I can score seven points, I'm trying to score seven points. All right, trying... but let, let, let me put my tenure to the test again since he's over one on second guessing here. Um, <laughs> w- will you second guess Riverboat Ron Rivera when he scores the touchdown with no time left in the game and decides? Yeah, we'll kick the extra point to go to overtime in Philly's house rather than saying, let's go for two and decide this game right here. I feel like they should have gone for two. All right. Yeah. I got that one right. It's Ron Rivera. I think think Mike's two for two. You think he's one for two. With a 230 pound running back that you got in Robinson. 
with a scrambling quarterback who could run some kind of option nonsense with McLaurin versus, oh, we're going to try and do sequential offense with this kid who's had like five career starts and has gotten sacked a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, run one play to win the game. Yeah. By the way, the Eagles were at the 28. I'm just looking it up. So Yeah, that's um, 45. Yeah, yeah. 45. I mean, that's really yeah, yeah, 20 in the bank for uh, Yeah, but you can team. make that if Brown is incomplete, if it bounces out of the downs, whatever, you can make that. Yeah. Um yeah, uh you're two for two as far as I'm concerned, Mike. <laughs> I didn't I didn't I I question Ron. Yeah, I mean that's you're you're a significant underdog on the road. Yeah. All the momentum is right there. Yeah. You try to steal the game. Yeah. And to the point where I have stripped him of that nickname. Nobody can call him Riverboat Ron anymore. If oh, you're was... going to lay up on that, yeah. you got to tin cup that thing. You got to be Kevin Costner. <laughs> you got to go for it. That yeah. Was... It's absurd. He hasn't been Riverboat Ron for like seven or eight years. That was really when he had yes. Cam in, in, in Cam's full prime. And it was kind of like the Eagles out fourth and one. We got. Yeah, well, and plus Brandon Staley came along and now everybody goes for it. So right. now he looks like old school conventional Ron Rivera, yes. uh, if that's a nickname. <laughs> um, uh, well, let's go to the defense. Sean Desai. I, I've been impressed by a couple things with Sean Desai. One, I think he's willing to try different things a yeah. little bit more than maybe Jonathan Gannon. But they they have been effective stop in the past for the most part. Now part of that is built in. You know, teams are playing from behind, so they're throwing it more. Yeah. But as we mentioned, um, Sam Howell, I, I thought played pretty well, but you got to be able to hold up in that type of situation. They got the big lead against Minnesota all of a sudden, you know, cousins throwing the football all over the lot. They've given up a lot of passing touchdowns, mm-hmm. a lot of passing yards. Mm-hmm. Any concern about this team's pass defense? The health in the secondary and the youth behind the health in the secondary are problems. I think you guys were talking about, about that before. Yeah. You know, you, you, ha- you don't have with Maddox out, you don't have a number three cornerback plan, more or less, because you're not, I, the trust in Ringo isn't there. And so you got this other kid out there and you have to kind of like hide him. Um, you're not getting a lot of pressure of the front four. Not getting the pressure that when you look at the front four on paper, you just say, this team never has to blitz. This team is never going to have to blitz. Um, and and they had to bring a fifth guy. Once they brought a fifth guy, everything changed against the commanders. It was nonstop pressure, whether it was Morrow or somebody else. But time and time again against okay but not great offensive lines, it's like guys aren't getting home. Nolan Smith hasn't been much of a factor. Reddick get the injury or whatever hasn't been much of a factor. The interior guys get some push. That's great. I looked at this front four on paper, like no one's ever going to block these guys. It's going to be devastation. And it's not quite there. No, it hasn't been. And, oh, by the way, uh, in a couple of Morrow sacks, he was the sixth guy. Because the Eagles oftentimes line up with five defensive linemen to begin with. Yeah. Call the edge guy what you want to call the edge guy. But he's playing, uh, he's coming forward immediately on the snap. That's part of the rush as far as I'm concerned. So Mm -hmm. I'll give the side credit because he has dialed up a couple more blitz. I know they like him more here in Philadelphia than the previous defensive coordinator just because of that. He does bring (laughs) some extra pressure. And oh, by the way, Nicholas Morrow getting the love from uh, PFF. Johnny told me yesterday, second ranked linebacker so far through four games in the National Football League. Nick Morrow. Nick Morrow, the Eagle by the way, by the way, Mike, Mike, Michael, appreciate this. Roquan Smith is number one. So the Bears spent a hundred million dollars. <laughs> right. 
Right. Now, PFF, God bless him. Nick Morrow made like a thousand plays last year, and PFF hated him yeah. behind a bad defensive line. Yes. And now, now he's, he's making magically a lot of good. Yeah. Maybe you might be measuring the defensive line in front of the guy a lot with these situations. Not, not maybe, not maybe. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you, because I've gotten a lot of criticism because I think T.J. Edwards is a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the Eagles made a mistake. If what he cost, I thought they could have brought him back. Yeah. And T.J. had a very good PFF ranking last year, playing behind a great defense. But guess what? He's still 22nd behind the worst defensive front in football. So that to me tells me he's a he's a good player. Yeah. Um oh, the Bears, Nick, the Bears running back linebackers, the Bears linebackers are running around in circles trying to put out fires every yeah. single week when you yeah. watch them, and nobody else is getting the job done. Him and Edmonds Edwards are playing really well. Yeah. And and but to Nick's point, he has played well. You have to give him credit. You're right. You know, it's those three sacks he's played. I think I looked it up, Mike. He, he's mm-hmm. played 3,600 career snaps in the mm-hmm. NFL. He had four career sacks. He wow. has three in one game playing behind that uh, defensive front. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, and, and Seth Joyner is the one who brought it up to me, and I dismissed it immediately. So I want, I want to see if you dismiss it. Okay. Seth started asking me, hey, is Nick Morrow better than Nicobe Dean? When Nicobe Dean's healthy, do you stick with Nick Morrow? I completely dismissed it. I mm-hmm. said, no, no way, no shot in heck. Mm-hmm. If he keeps playing at this level, you know, I think we all look at Nicobe Dean, and I'm guilty of it, and I'm thinking about Athens. I'm thinking about Georgia. Yeah. Hasn't done it at the NFL level yet. Yeah. Where are you? If, if, if Nick Morrow keeps playing like this, can you take him off the field? Dean has better upside, okay? But we haven't seen a lot, like you said, of that. Morrow is kind of like an NFL professional at linebacker who has proven like he's going to mind his assignments. Yeah, when he's going to be sort of the unblocked or blocked by the running back uh, guy coming on the blitz, he's going to get home. I mean, my first thought would be that you can package Dean in some way and Morrow could be the start. Or you can package Morrow as a blitz specialist, which – is out of character for him career-wise, admittedly, but you can do things like that in the short term. So I don't really think of it as an either-or right now. I think there's ways you can get both of these linebackers on the field in different situations. I'm glad you think of it the same way I do because we uh, touched on this yesterday. The Eagles don't rotate linebackers. No, Last they year, they had two very good linebackers, and they basically played every snap. Nicobe mm-hmm. Dean, a guy who you took in the third round, you thought you'd like to develop, give him a little chance to play. 32 snaps all year long. Hmm. So they put uh, Edwards and Kaiser White out there and just left them out there. They didn't yeah. rotate at all. You're talking about a potential rotation of the three linebackers this year. That's what I'd like to see. They rotate guys in and out of that defensive line basically on every single snap. Why mm-hmm. couldn't you do that a little bit at linebacker? It has to be more package-oriented because I don't think you just rotate the guys. Like on a defensive line, sometimes you're just rotating guys. Okay, your fresh legs get out there. I always thought of Dean as like a gap shooter type of guy. You, you know, play yeah, perpendicular yeah. line of scrimmage, shoot the gaps there. So that would be like your blitz guy, or maybe he's your run down guy where you, it's like, oh, it's third and one. You're going to come in and you're just going to, you know, attack the B gap, try to blow things up. And he could play that kind of role. I would think if it's nickel and you want guys in coverage, maybe that's where you want Morrow. And then once in a while, he surprises you with yeah, a blitz. Here's, here's the problem. Eagles have three linebackers. None of them are great in coverage. They've never, I can't that's remember. Probably, that's probably no. the weakest part of all three of their games. Yeah. Right. 
Well, right. Zach Cunningham is kind of savvy. I think he's the best. He, at least he's long and he knows how to play. But he's got, you know, he's not the best athlete in the world at this stage of his yeah. career. But he knows where to be. And he's got such a long frame for a linebacker. Sometimes he gets in the way. So he's the best, I would say, of the group. Not a lot of coverage. coverage linebackers in the NFL anyway. No. There's Fred Warner and there's Levante David entering his yeah. 37th season. And you can yeah. name a couple <laughs> others. But that's why teams are putting safeties. Let's put a bigger safety out there. And that's who covers McCaffrey or whoever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, Speaking of McCaffrey, big game of the week, biggest game of the week, Cowboys 49ers and McCaffrey has had an unbelievable start to his season. So is their quarterback, that pretty guy, who yeah. some people just refuse to give any credit to, and he's a legit MVP candidate, undefeated in uh, all of his starts that he both started and finished so far in his NFL career. I'm taking um, the field on that MVP vote over Brock Purdy. I'm taking the field. Taking the field. <laughs> Take the field, yeah. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Where were we was? <laughs> we, we, we liked that this week, 49ers-Cowboys. I like the 49ers and top to bottom. They are the best team in the NFC right now. Yes, Ooh, you're going to most- excite the 49ers trolls on the, on the stream. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are. And like you were talking about how unhappy Eagles fans are with their 4-0 start. The 49ers have nothing to be unhappy with. All they can do is be like, how dare you not call Brock Purdy the MVP? That's all they've got right now. So I think they're stronger overall. I, we, we just saw a common opponent, the Cardinals, in which the Cowboys trip badly over. And the 49ers have to have to work on a little bit because the Cardinals are better than people thought. But then they take control of that game. And I think from an Eagles fan standpoint, you would probably, first of all, you don't want to root for the Cowboys because you're an Eagles fan. And secondly, <clears throat> be better to put the Cowboys behind the eight ball for the division and everything else, have them lose. Then say, oh, let's let's expose some flaw in the 49ers. Because I don't think that that, that gets – the Eagles anywhere like like you you would rather see at this point oh yeah the 49ers are five and oh and that's the team to beat than have a Cowboys team that's coming off of that as you move forward and say oh they've demonstrated what they can do and now they're starting to accumulate tiebreakers in the playoffs um on it's interesting because this week uh the Eagles are out in Los Angeles to face the Rams and Sean McVay Mm -hmm. I I like to call this the motion part of their schedule um they're going to get Miami in a couple of weeks with Mike McDaniel. Um, they move people all around. Yeah. Exactly. Where are you on the scale of Mike McDaniel reinventing offense, scoring 70 points, then getting beat by four touchdowns? How, how badly did people overreach that? Or is Mike just better scheming than everybody, but maybe Kyle Shanahan and yeah, he, right. you know, who we learned from. Yeah, good, a good schemer, and he's out there. The overreaction was bizarre, and uh, and like the, these the tape guys, the tape guys on the social networks, yeah. and you're like, look at this design, and you know, and and here's Tua, and he's faking here, and then he's doing a reverse pitch, and a guard's running out here, and uh, you know, the guy gains thirty five yards, and it's a beautiful design. It looks like a like a Picasso painting, and then uh, I will look at it and say, look at the defense, look at the Broncos defense. There are four. Down linemen, the three linebackers are playing out where safeties would play, 
and the safeties are playing out where uh, concession stand people. <laughs> it's like this is a four-man box. They could have run off tackle for twenty-five yards, probably as the Eagles might have done, or they could have done this intricate, amazing sixteen fake play and gotten two more yards than that anyway. So I'm not criticizing McDaniel here, but it's like, like this is a game where they couldn't cover your receivers at all, and they were down by thirty points, and you were just handing it to them. Th- this whole you know, reinventing and revolutionizing. It's easy to be an offensive coordinator when everybody's awesome. Yeah. It was easy yeah. for Joe Brady at LSU to look like a genius when Joe Barrow was throwing the Justin. That's Jackson true. And Joe Brady. Yeah. against Mississippi State <laughs> against the NFL. And it's like, yeah, that don't, that don't that don't work for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. That don't work for the Carolina Panthers. So so you know the, the thing I'm worried about the Dolphins because I'm worried about Tyreek Hill. And Jalen Waddle, and you know, got two good corners, but like one of them's in the slot, like you were saying, and then they, they can find the third guy. Not, I'm not worried about. Oh my God, this motion is going to make it so hard for them to stop. They're hard now, to stop. but you know, I bring that up, Mike, because the Eagles don't use motion. I, I, it's the one thing. Right. And Nick Nick Sirianni is he, he says this all the time. You never want to be bottom five in anything in the NFL. Right. Well, they're bottom five in motion. They don't motion. Neither. Um, you know, neither did like the old Mike Shanahan Broncos teams, whether it was Elway or somebody like yeah, is by design because they're they are lining up and Jalen's <laughs> looking at it and saying, Oh, rookie nonsense guys on AJ Brown. I don't want to move guys around. I don't want to I move like guys. that description, by the way. Yeah, oh, rookie yeah. nonsense. Rookie nonsense. He's actually he's a good rookie, but like yes. rookie is on yeah. AJ Brown. I don't want to move guys around or anything, like or very limited motion, like moving yeah. the back one side to another for a blitzer. Oh, you know what? The box is box is five men. I'm in shotgun. I got Swift next to me. They got a five-man box because they're afraid of Brown and Swift. Just going to run the ball, call an audible off of that. So it's a different philosophy than saying, okay, we're going to confuse them by this guy going here, this guy going here, and we're going to get Dalton Schultz lined up on a linebacker because Tyreek Hill's going this way. It's a different mentality. All right. Coming up this week against the Rams for the Eagles, one of the things that has impressed me most about Brian Johnson, and I know it's a cumulative decision. They put the package together all week. It's Nick Sirianni's offense, but it's Johnson who's making the calls in the moment during the game. Yeah, when they needed to run the football, they ran the football. The other team said, we're going to take this away, but we're leaving this gaping hole. All right, we'll take the gaping hole, and they run for as many yards as they do. What do you think the Rams will try and do against Eagles this week? If they're going to make a predetermined decision we're not going to allow the Eagles to do this, but we realize we're leaving ourselves open over here. How do you think the Rams defense leans against Eagles offense come Sunday? I think they're going to protect their secondary because their cornerbacks are not particularly good. You have Darian Kendrick on one side, who's a decent corner played at Georgia. I'm surprised we didn't snap him up, but he's a, a slower guy. And I'm blanking on the other guy's name. I think it's Colby Durant who is like blazingly fast, but small and kind of mistake prone. They're going to try and protect those guys. Do you think you're going to see shells and they're going to be moving Donald all over Lord's creation. I was watching this against the Colts and Donald is out on edge and doing all these other things here because they don't have a lot of real pass rushers and they're going to try to dictate on that side. And it's not a really good defense. It's a defense that looked good against the Colts who are like the triple A affiliate of the Eagles <laughs> last week. And, 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 and will surprise you. And of course, if you can't block Donald and you lose track and he's going to disrupt stuff, but I think that's how the Rams are going to approach it. Uh, at Mike Tanier, make sure you follow Mike on X Twitter, um, whatever you want to call it these days, the messenger.com. So you made, I'll, I'll leave it here with you. 
you made a little bit of a reaction to it watching the Eagles in a bar. Let's give it, <laughs> give us give us the full take on that. Uh, how was that? Oh, I would have been doing shots at the end of that. You see, I can't. I, I can sip a beer early in the games, but like I got to write four thousand words on Sunday night. But like, and the folks at PJs, I won't say which PJs, but it's yeah, I know which PJs. You know which PJs. That's a great and, PJs. Right, right. Are losing. Everyone's losing their minds, and I'm trying to be clinical and tactical. It's like I got to write about the top. <laughs> like part of this, line them up, line them up. <laughs> Gummies, anything, because like the, that that game was was headache fuel. <laughs> All right, last one for me, and we started off talking about the the Steelers and the mess that is their offense and trolling that's going on there with their <laughs> offensive coordinator. I know you like a good uh, drama when you get your hands on it. This Cleveland thing. I did not know this. They didn't report it on game day on any of the national pregame shows or whatever that Deshaun Watson counted himself out of the Cleveland game, that he was medically cleared to play, and he decided his body just wasn't up to it. It's become a bigger deal after the fact. Now, they're on a bye week this week, so it will. the story will die down. Will it pump itself back up? That that's I think that's the kind of thing that can just derail a season. When people start questioning the desire to win of your quarterback, that can take a season completely off the rails. Will this be something that's gotten over easily or be a story that we'll be talking about all year with the Browns? I try not to think about Deshaun Watson's body. <laughs> but uh, but like you talk about a guy who yeah, – there are questions about this individual. And like one of the things that they tried to do is, well, well, you know, the off-the-field things were one thing, but he is a professional on the field. And you hear that all the time. And it's like – are we sure? Because he didn't look like he came back in 2022 in like absolute vim and vigor, ready to be the regular Deshaun Watson. He came back there looking a little slow, a little flabby. Maybe he was tentative and that makes sense. But, it, you know, you, you had a year off where you just riding the stationary bike, watching TV, what were you, or were you like getting into NFL shape along the way? So this is worth monitoring. It's also worth monitoring that like I think we had three Deshaun games and one of them was good. And like one of them was horrible against the Steelers. One of them was a mess where he was also committing penalties and, you know, not necessarily being super consummate professional. And then one was kind of okay. So if you've got a guy who you're starting to question and he's only playing at like top 15 or 16 in the league in his best day, where does that leave the Cleveland Browns who are guaranteeing this guy for the next four years? Yeah. A lot of people dodged a bullet there, Mike, including a certain team in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. Even though people check them out on the messenger.com uh our buddy mike tanya jumps in with us about once a month and whenever he does we have fun talking to him and hopefully uh you enjoyed mike's appearance today mike good stuff buddy we'll get you back next month thanks pal thanks yeah, mike the messenger.com for mike tanya here on birds 365 all right quickie timeout he john mcmullen i'm jody mcdonald we're going mike and mike on you today tanya just arrived he's departed Mike Gill yet to arrive. We'll run him out at the end of the show, too, but not until we find out what kind of T-shirt he's got on. Uh, keep it right here. We got Mac and Mac on Birds 365.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Mac guys here on Birds 365. Uh, like I said, Mike Gill going to join us about 20 minutes from now, somewhere thereabouts. Um, appreciate Mike Tanya jumping in, fun dude to always have on the show. Um, I had asked you about Sean Desai before we punched Mike up and what he had to say, and you brought up the Rams motion uh, that the we we haven't seen the Eagles against a heavy motion team so far this year. Last week, there was some breakdown, certainly in the Eagles secondary. And if you're going to play the type of defense that Desai plays, that Gannon played, the Fangio-type defense, it is based on communication in your secondary that the guys have to be able to talk and change and react on the fly. Now they're going to be adding, you've already got Bradbury playing out of position, and we think he's going to be in the slot again this week. If you're bringing Brown in, He's a rookie who's being asked to play a couple of different positions, be ready at a couple different positions. Is this an issue for the Eagles defensively this week that uh, Matthew Stafford and that Ram offense can cause some problems just because of the, uh, for lack of a better word, unrest in the Eagles secondary coming into this week, John? Yeah, it always is. I remember talking to Jim Swartz about playing Sean McVay. It's a very disciplined week you got to keep your discipline to a 
uh, significant degree. That's what motion sort of does. I watched Jim used to call it, um, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, just trying to fool young players. That's what it's about. Um, and, uh, you know, for guys like Bradbury and, and Slay, it's a little bit easier because they've seen it all. Um, for younger players, yeah, it can be an issue, and you see it all the time. Uh, when, when Sean was really clicking with that Rams offense, it, it same thing with Mike McDaniel we were talking about with, with Mike Tanya there. You know, everybody, oh, he's revolutionizing football. No, he's doing the same stuff. It's just, you know, you're playing a team that's not prepared for whatever reason, um, and you have good players, but um, you know, the good thing is the Rams aren't as good as they once were, obviously. Um, but what's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. They are dangerous because... Matthew Stafford can still sling it pretty well. And, you know, he's banged up. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. Um, well, the coach yesterday was on the record saying he thinks he'll be fine. Yeah. Well, obviously he's not going to say, oh, take a shot at him. But uh, I, I meant, you know, from the standpoint of him, I know he's going to play, but how healthy is he? Um, and Cooper Cup and how up to speed. Uh, he can be, uh, if he hits the ground running, <laughs> he's an issue. I mean, he's an issue against everybody. So, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, it might be just as simple as Bradbury being in the slot again until they can get Roby ready. But, boy, I don't like that matchup this week. If, if, if Cup is ready to go, I do not like that matchup. Uh, yeah, today's a Wednesday, and we're speculating pretty good. I'm readily admitting I'm speculating here. Um, I, I I don't know the Cup's going to go this week. I yeah, think he they might, might not. Be... I mean, yeah, there's no guarantee. Yeah. Right. Um, um, so here's the question I got for you on the I don't know whether he's going to be good to go thing or not, uh, and you'll get more information today or at least an estimate, right? Are the Eagles walking through today? Or are they actually going to practice? No, real practice. All right, um, so you'll get a real uh, injury update. What do you think Sidney Brown is going to be at today and by the time the end of the week comes? Because that's going to be a factor in the uh, slot corner snaps. Because if he's ready to play on Sunday, I got to believe he's going to be in there for at least some, if not uh, yeah. a majority. 
I mean, I, I mentioned that yesterday. Hamstrings are tricky with bass players, and Sydney's a very athletic bass player. Um, I, I think, and I think I said it yesterday on the show, if he doesn't practice today, that's a really bad sign. Um, if he is out there, at least in a limited fashion, I think it's a very positive sign. Um, so today's a big day injury-wise. Justin Evans as well. Um, and you know, he was back by Friday of last week. So I think, I think he's going to be fine. Um, but Sydney's still a question mark, even though they said, um, behind the scenes, at least, um, it's not serious. You know, you have different grades of hamstring strains. Uh, it's the, um, least serious, um, sick. You got to be careful with those things. And you've seen it with Quez Watkins, same type of thing. I mean, that's a speed guy. You got to be careful with those guys. Speaking of Quez Watkins, and I readily admit this is a major 2020 hindsight uh, position that I'm taking because I sure as hell didn't do it on draft day, day three of the draft this past year. If the Eagles had the chance to go back and draft Puka Nakua instead of Kylie Ringo, do you think they do so? Um, no. Um, really? And, and again, that's, you know, one of my pet peeves about uh, fans and NFL people is they assume everything's a vacuum. And like Puka's played tremendously, don't get me wrong. Number two wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. But if he's here, he's not the number two wide receiver in the NFL. If he's here, AJ Brown's still here. Devontae Smith is still here. If he's here, he's not even getting the football. And you don't even know who right, Puka Nakua who, who is. I actually compared the two Ringo and Puka Nakua. How much is Ringo playing? No, he's not playing at all. But they like his long-term upside. And we'll see how things shake out. But again, if he were here, you wouldn't even know who he is. You Literally. Mean, like we don't know who Ringo is on the Eagles. Yeah. Well, you know him a little bit more because of his uh, – uh, his play at Georgia, but yeah, I mean, obviously right now you could say, but that, I say this stuff all the time when people would say Jefferson's not Jefferson in this offense, what people would say Jefferson and Rager, he's not putting up those numbers in this offense at that time. Um, it, 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 it's, it's amazing to me. It, we, we just talked about a little bit with Nick Morrow. Nick Morrow's the same guy. He just looks better here. Then he looked in Chicago because he's playing behind the best defensive front, and he was playing behind the worst defensive front. Same guy. Um, he might be playing a little bit better. Um, but I, I wouldn't say it's this drastic difference in that all of a sudden the light went off and he's a great player when he was a, a below-average player. He's in a better situation. And, and Puka has played tremendously. He's been one of the best stories in the NFL. I'm not trying to criticize him, but if he's here, he's not playing. Simple as that. He's not playing. Different team, different situation. So you don't think he could have come in here, uh, flashed a little bit in preseason, and gotten reps over Quez Watkins and or Alameda Zacchaeus. And, and, and the best case scenario, he beats out Quez Watkins. And he's still not getting the football. He's not beating out Devontae Smith. He's not beating out A.J. Brown. 
I don't think anybody is saying he's better than those guys, even though his numbers are better. Um, it, well, maybe not in the case of, of – uh, I haven't looked at his yardage yet, but uh, certainly – number two in the NFL. He's, he's only trailing Jefferson at this time. He's yeah, so yards. certainly, you know. But I don't think anybody – I don't think you're saying he's better than A.J. Brown. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying he's better than Ringo. Um. Well, yeah, as a rookie, certainly he's got an opportunity. One's – I mean, one is behind Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Um, and and by the way, Ringo hasn't been impressive. I'm not trying to defend Ringo, um, although he has been good on special teams. I'm just saying he's not playing here. They can't even get the ball to Dallas Goddard. And 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 you think they're getting the ball to Puka Nakua behind A.J. Right, Brown and Devontae where, Smith? Here's where you and I are going our separate ways. You're comparing – what he's doing with the Rams to what he would be doing with the Eagles. And you're right. He would not have anywhere near the numbers that he has right now with the Rams if he were on the Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely right. That's not the comparison I'm making. I'm comparing him as a potential draft pick for the Eagles to what they're getting out of Ringo, who was the draft pick of the Eagles, who went about 50 picks before he did. I, yeah, but it, we're looking at it. My, I guess we're looking at it from two yeah, different. Yeah, well, well, we're definitely looking at it different. This is the twenty-point scorer on the bad NBA team. That's what he is. Uh, it, Kale Ringo came into a Super Bowl contender. Now, if he were on the Rams, and you know, that's well, coming into the season, they played better than people expected. Coming into the season, people looked at that team and said, well, that's one of the worst teams in football, certainly bottom 10, you could argue bottom five and they played better. So you give them credit. Um, there's more opportunity there. So if, if a rookie goes in there, there's more opportunity here. You got all pros, you got pro bowlers, you got pro bowl alternates all over the field, including a cornerback where you got Bradbury and slay. I mean, Ring, nobody ever thought Ringo was coming in here to play this season. He was a long-term uh, ceiling pick, and we'll see if it works out. Um, has he been? You'd like to say you'd like to say just in training camp and all that. You you would have liked him to have been more impressive, but you didn't want him to play. You didn't want him to play. I mean, the hope is Slay's healthy, Bradbury's healthy. Now, already Maddox is injured, Jack McPherson. He's not a nickel corner. So, I mean, that to me is not as big as an issue. Could he be better than Josh Job right away? Yeah, you could make that argument. Would have been nice if he could have pushed Josh Job, and he didn't. Um, but I'm not willing to write him off. And and Puka Nakua sh is, should be thrilled about his situation because he's gotten an opportunity and all you could do is make the most of your opportunity. Right, I'll um, try to. And I'll he's try done this one that. more time, and I don't think uh, either you can understand the point I'm making, or I don't understand the point you're making. If they had it to do again, uh, no, I today, said no. They wouldn't take them. They would not take. They, would, they would take a late. Yes, today, not today. not FDA, today. And well, today. here's how I'll put it to you. If the Rams called Howie Roseman and said, we'll trade you Puka Nakua for Kylie Ringo, Howie says no? Yes. Howie says really? no. Yes. He's not the type of receiver. One, one of the things that we talk about all the time, Quez Watkins is a 4-3-2 guy. If you look, and I'll look it up real quick. Puka's a, 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 a 
shifty, you know, more of a slot, slotty type receiver. Um, a slotty type receiver with uh, Devonta Smith and AJ Brown, and you'd pass four, four, five, seven. Well, there's a re- there's a reason Alameda uh, Zacchaeus didn't beat out Quez Watkins, and and people dismiss it, and you dismiss it, and that's fine. I'm just telling you what the Eagles think. They want his speed on the field to open things up for A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. They want that speed on the field. Spacing is important to them. Now, you can say it's wrong, but it's important to them. If you've got a 4-5-7 guy, that, teams aren't going to play the same way as a 4-3-2 guy. They're trying to create the spacing for the star players to make things easier for the star players. That's here's, what they're trying to do. Here's what I'm saying so far. And it's four games. Four games. And I did not watch Puka Nakua play all that much at BYU when he did play. But he's got 500 yards. Slot guys don't get 500 yards by running uh, five-yard digs. This guy can I'm get behind the defense the same way Quez Watkins theoretically can get behind the defense. What do you mean the- he theoretically? He's shown he could run by people. If there's one thing Quez has shown is that he could run by people. There's no theoretically about it. He can run by. He is a legit fast receiver in a, in a league full of fast guys. Now, if you're comparing Puka Nakua to an average human being, he's really fast. If you're comparing them to NFL receivers, he is below average. I'm, 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 I'm just I'm, saying. What I'm comparing is Puka Nakua's four-game results to Quez Watkins' entire career. Now, you're, it, uh, yeah, again, you're you're on a different plane. I'm talking about in this in this situation. I'm talking about his role not in Los Angeles because that's meaningless in Philadelphia. As well as he's played, he's not going to be the number one receiver in Philadelphia. At best, you could argue he would be number three. What the Eagles want out of their number three receiver is the ability to help A.J. and Devontae and Dallas Goddard with spacing. I'm saying he's not a fit. Long term, like if he turns into a star and they lose A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, you can make the argument. Um, but right now where they are, they didn't want a receiver. So they're not drafting a receiver because they have two of the best receivers in football, arguably two of the top 10 people have said, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but two of the top 20, I would say uh, in football, in all of football. So you can't have, and I had this discussion with somebody at the Eagles, you can't have a star at every position. You certainly can't have a star at third wide receiver. You, the, Role players are role players for a reason. They want a specific role for Quez Watkins. And 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 by the way, people are already saying, well, should Alameda Zacchaeus be back? And I've said it pretty consistently. When Quez is when Quez is healthy, Quez will be playing over Alameda Zacchaeus because of the role he provides, because of the one trait that he provides that Alameda can't. So was Zacchaeus a bad signing if he doesn't fit the role? No, he's a fourth wide receiver. He's a fourth. That's his role. Now, 
well, but your fourth guy has to at least in part be projected to be your third guy if your third guy goes down. And you make do. It's similar to what they're doing in the slot. Look, if you have injuries, then it's next man up. Then you have to make do. But what you can't have is a star as a fourth receiver. It doesn't work that way. Um, you know, either they get too good and they move on um, if they're forced and given an opportunity. I get what you're saying, but the guy, again, yeah, we're on to the guy's not even playing here. And they didn't want a wide receiver and they took a cornerback with, that they think that has upside. We'll see if they're right long term. Now, if Kelly Ringo, Slay, remember, Slay and, and Bradbury are both past 30 now. If he's a starting cor- outside corner in, in two years, they're going to be very happy that they drafted him. If he's not, yeah, they're going to be. Then he can revisit right, it. But, but he you, wasn't supposed to play. As you correctly this year. pointed out, he couldn't beat out Roby. Roby had a year's experience ahead of him, but Job, was an undrafted. Job, what I say, Roby, my bad. Yeah. Uh, Job was a year ahead of him with uh, as an undrafted player, and you got a guy who you used a draft pick on. You would hope that Ringo would be the guy to win that spot as the first backup outside cornerback behind Bradbury or Slay if either one of those guys got injured and or needed to move to the slot because Maddox went down, and we all could have at least thought that that was a possibility and he didn't. So that's why I'm, I think it's a legit question to ask a guy who's established himself. And I readily admit he's got opportunity in LA opportunity. He would not have had, had he been here in Philadelphia, had the Eagles drafted him. But after seeing both of them perform to this point in their careers, even taking into consideration, they're in two different situations. Would you make the trade now? I'd make it in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? You're going to give me a guy who's already proven he can play in a league over a guy that, yeah, I used to draft pick on, but so what? We're now a Philadelphia Eagle. I only can evaluate where he sits on my roster as it is. I couldn't say yes quickly enough. Well, I, I mean, that to me, your argument, if I boil it down, and by the way, I wouldn't disagree, is you're going to take the 53 best players. I'm saying, like, he's a better player right now. I'm saying – there's a science to roster building and how he's very good at it. And you have to fit people in certain roles to build a great team. And it's not just about X is better than Y. And and they don't need a receiver as much as they need a long-term option at corner. Now, maybe they're wrong. They're wrong all the time. And you get evaluations wrong. And, you know, I talk about the whole league should be ashamed of themselves for missing out on Reed Blankenship. Well, maybe we're saying that about Puka uh, long term and maybe he turns into a great player, but he ain't a fit for this team He right now at this moment. Two years down the line, maybe he would have been a fit if they don't, you know, if, if they lose AJ and then they only can pay one of them. And all of a sudden, you only have one receiver back to where you were in 2021 uh, when Devontae w- was his rookie, but w- was a rookie. But they're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. And this year, Puka Nakua isn't a fit, so I can't lose my mind over it. He's not even he's not he's not getting the football here right now, as well as he's played. He's not getting the foot. They can't even get Dallas stinking Goddard the football. 
they ain't getting Puka Nakua the football. Understood. But uh, Zacchaeus made a big play and helped them win uh, uh, two weeks ago. So I'm telling you, Nakua could have done that. Now, uh, Alamade got it done. So I'm not uh, suggesting he's not doing his job. He is. He's doing a nice job filling in for Quez while Quez is out. I'm just saying, check check some of the highlights that uh, Nakua has put up so far. He's running by guys, John. I know what he ran at the combine, but he's running by guys. There are some guys who, in the, the, the game, do things that their combine time says that they can't. Um, and I think he's one of them. He's getting a chance in L.A. You're right about that. Opportunity is very important, but he's... he's... All right, so let me ask you this question. The Rams offer you Puka Nakua for Quez Watkins today, a trade that has no chance whatsoever happening. But the Rams GM loses his mind, calls Howie, and says, we have to have Quez Watkins because he ran a .2 faster time at the combine than Puka Nakua. Does Howie say, well, uh, Howie say no to that one, too? No, I think he'd make that trade because Quez is on the final year of his deal, and he's probably going to be gone. But I think they would shift around – I think they would look for um, a, a, a speed guy, whether it's on the practice squad, to bring that trait back. Uh, because, again, they're looking for a specific trait uh, with A.J. and DeMonte. Now, if they don't have A.J. and DeMonte, it changes everything. It changes everything. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not in love with Quez. Look, if, if either of them sprains an ankle, I'm not even talking about uh, uh, um, uh, a season-ending injury. I don't want to see Quez Watkins as the number two receiver. I've been pretty consistent with that. But as the number three guy providing what he provides, as long as everything stays on that plane, I'm fine with it. Um, but, yeah, he's on the final year of his deal. Um, this kid's already proven um, – he can play and yeah, that's a hype because the Rams aren't trading them and why right. would they? Um, but yeah, because of where they are with Quez Watkins this is probably his last year here anyway. Um, but I do think people don't understand the, the roles on, on different teams in the fact. And like I said, I long before we had this conversation, I didn't know where you were going to bring this up. I was talking about this with an Eagles guy last week. Can't have a star at every position. You got to fit in the little pieces and guys have particular roles, and it's meaningful. Like Jack Stoll. Jack Stoll's not a great player, and if he's the starting tight end, you're going, we need a tight end. Right. But it's the number two guy playing 15 snaps, making blocks. Blocks. It's pretty good. Exactly. He Zach fits Pascal his role. Last year. And I'm just saying Puka Nakua in his role with the Eagles would be better than Quez Watkin in his roles. He's got a completely different role with the Rams. He's got to be their number one wide receiver. We'll see what happens when Cooper Cup comes back. But he answered the bell and got 500 yards in the first four games. Even if you if you had used a fourth round draft pick on him and he came in here and he was the fourth wide receiver, nobody would go, oh, my God, what a mess up by the Eagles. No, he's your fourth wide receiver. And Quez goes down. Oh, now he's got to be your third wide receiver. I'm well, to, and to that degree, and I, I know we got to get to Mike, uh, get the break, but uh, people shouldn't be upset about Ringo. I mean, you know, yeah, I would have liked him to push Joe, but nobody expected him to play this year um, at corner or even wanted him to play because, you know, he's about the long term. And I don't think 
the panic button should be pressed on Kalei Ringo just yet. I'm not. It just so happens that they have to be facing off against the guy who was picked after him, who has already established himself as an NFL player, and Ringo hasn't yet. He's McBone. I'm McDonald. We are Mac and Mac. Oh, we see Mike Gill. He's in the green room. He's ready to rock and roll. We're headed down the shore with Mike Gill next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Magamac guys here on Birds 365 and it's Mike Gill time. He's got a little bit of a new setup here. You're not out in the dining room here. Where, where no, he's you in the today, studio. Gil? He's in the uh, 97.3 yeah. studio. You know? I'm going to the Phillies game tonight, so I had to oh. get here early to uh, get some stuff done before my show. Nice. Very nice. Uh, Red October. Uh, what are you predicting tonight, Mike? Well, yesterday on my show, I had four one Phillies, so I'm hot right oh. now. Nice. Yeah. Exact score. I, I, was, I, I score. 
I put out Wheeler's numbers last night, and I said seven innings, one run. Went six and two-thirds with one run. So I was I damn there close myself. If you're together, Jody, we might have some. You know, I recall sitting next to you at a World Series game, like 2009 or something, and we were banging these uh, picks left and right out, man. Well, and uh, I got the Phillies winning again tonight. I want to see two games and done. Uh, I did too, by the way. Nola last year in the closeout game against the Cardinals. He was excellent. I expect it again. Jody uh, uh, Jody had a little extra pep in his step this morning because he won a uh, big parlay last ooh. night. And I don't usually play baseball parlays, but it's Phillies in a playoff. So, yeah, we, we, we went out on the limb a little bit last night. All right, Gil, what's the shirt? You're not repping a college? You're not repping an area? What are you selling today? I'm uh, just rocking a down the shore, you know, surfing guy shirt. Yeah. Just uh, no, being comfortable. Not. Nothing, nothing. I, I thought, you know what? I drove here this morning and I thought to myself, Oh man, I don't have a t-shirt on for the guys. Yeah, uh, it happens. That's all right. Uh, well, you got Brian Prop and uh, I think Roy Halliday up in the back. Yeah, Halliday. By over. the way, the Brian Prop jersey is signed by the entire '87 Flyers. Wow, that there we go. You got to get that framed, Mike. You got to get that framed. The entire. I've had that thing since about 1987, by the way, and it looks. I mean, it's it's not, not a smear, not a smidge, nothing. Yeah, that's when you put it on the wall. You just have to be careful when you drink too much because that's the only way that thing's <laughs> going to get smeared. I, I drink a lot in my studio listening to some of the callers and the text messages. All right, Johnny and I haven't gotten there yet, so let me go there with you here. Um, yesterday, Brian Johnson was asked about the uh, third and 11 call to hand it to Kenny Gainwell up the gut. Now, Sirianni, the day before, had kind of taken the bullet and said, well, that's kind of on me. I said we should run the ball on that play. I, I let Brian do his job. I don't call too many plays. But on that play, I particularly called the play. Eh, don't put him on the truth meter on that one. Um, how did you shake out with third and 11, Kenny Gainwell, who, oh, by the way, fumbled. Thank you very much, Lane Johnson, for falling on it. Right. Could have been disastrous. How did you uh, ferret out that play call, that decision, and the fact that the Eagles kind of dodged a bullet on it? I, I didn't like it, and there's a couple reasons why. Generally, like, you see teams run the third and long with, like, the delay draws and stuff yeah. that they think the defense is expecting a pass. You've got the defense back, and it gives you a 10-yard cushion to try to delay and get that run. But for where they were on the field – and as he said, you know, we have a field goal kicker. I mean, and by the way, the way they were running the ball, not very effectively. I was a little disappointed with that. I didn't like the play at all. And then the he said, she said, we're Sirianni, you know, uh, you know, hey, we got it the last time. Okay, that's great. But in this instance, down in distance of where you were on the field, certainly didn't like it. And look, I know Brian Johnson's feeling his way through. I didn't like, I didn't love the, the game plan. Now he scored 34 points. It sounds ass. <laughs> yeah. But you know, how many people are watching that game with eight minutes left saying, all right, you can run this game out, just demoralize this team. And that's kind of to me, I'm trying to find out what the identity of Brian Johnson's offense is. And to me, the only thing I can come up with is this team demoralizes teams. John, you tweeted out a week ago. They took the will of Tampa Bay. I felt like they could demoralize and take the will of Washington and didn't take the opportunity. And that kind of play there. It, it, it kept them alive in the game when they really could have, like, because you weren't using your will. You weren't being that team. And then they tried to say, well, this is who we are. Let's do it. And it didn't work. So it was like a mixed messaging, I felt, with, with the whole, 
between the well, play- I, 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 I'll the, uh, say I'll play devil's advocate there and say, all right, and, and Tampa Bay is a tremendous run defense, and they did at least on paper and did demoralize them. So it's not like the Eagles and the Eagles have done that in the past. New Orleans came in here once with the number one run, run defense. They ran it all over them. So they have done it in the past, but in that game, they weren't that effective running the football um, no, no. Uh, uh, before the, the end of the game, certainly when compared to what they had been against Minnesota and Tampa, they were not effective at all if you want to use that comparison. And that is probably the best defensive front they're going to play all season. So I'd mentioned to Jody, I expect this to be a pass-heavy game for two reasons. One, for that. And two, because they wanted to get the passing game going. They know they have to get the passing game going um, because Buffalo's on the horizon, Kansas City, Dallas, even the Rams – you're going to have to score some points and be a little bit more explosive. And, hey, Jalen Hurts, 319 yards, two touchdowns. A.J. Brown, what did Mike Tanier call that Emmanuel Forbes, that poor guy, the goofy rookie? <laughs> I don't know why. They, he had, uh, he had to activate his social media, Forbes. Yeah, poor – yeah. I, by the way, that's bad. I mean, yeah, he got a lot of you-know-whats, and that's absurd. That was a really difficult matchup. And guess what? I blame Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio for that. Because they yeah, have. They decided to put him on. Yeah. Him. They have Cobb Fuller's having a great season. Um, they have Benjamin St. Juice, who's a big corner who has some experience. And they let that poor guy, I was just talking about, you know, speed, because he's the, the best athlete they have. They put him on A.J. Brown. He's not ready for that. And they put him in a bad spot. But the Eagles game plan, I kind of liked. It kind of made sense to me. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. But I I do understand what Jody's question is on that third and 11 play because it seemed like it was mixed messaging all day. If you were, hey, we're running this game out, eight minutes left to go, and we're just churning and burning out the yards. Nope, I probably don't have a problem with the play. But they never got into a running rhythm where it felt like no matter what play we call, we're getting this. I mean, there are times where they turn around and hand the ball off, and they're just chewing six yards off at a pop. If you go third and six and you get seven, eight yards there, I don't know that we're complaining as much, right? Yeah. Well, it's a draw on third and 11. You're trying to hit them. You're trying to surprise them. And then maybe it turns into fourth and two. You go for it. Um, yeah. And he didn't – and they fumbled, and they didn't execute. But I think Jake Elliott, what, a 36-yard field goal? Um, yeah. I mean – Every team runs draws on third and 11 at some point, and most of them aren't successful. But you're doing it – you're basically doing it to try to yeah. fool somebody who's expecting pass. I mean, everybody does it, but it usually doesn't work. <laughs> All right, so let me try it this way. Um, we quote PFF a lot here on Birds 365, and I think John and I are on the same page. We give them their props. They're just due. They do a lot of work. It doesn't mean we have to agree with everything they come up with as far as the number goes. But the number that they have on Kenny Gainwell right now is the 53rd back of 56 backs who qualify in uh, the National Football League, play enough snaps, get enough carries. 53 out of 56. We know the Eagles, tr- quote-unquote, trust him. Should they? 
Well, after he fumbled, they might trust him less. I can tell you that. Um, I know uh, we see that how many times in this league. Guy fumbles and he kind of falls his way down the depth chart. Um, I guess they trust him more. Probably, John, you could attest to this because he blocks better than the other guy. That's one of the reasons why you gain the trust of the coaches is who blocks better. Swift, not a great blocker, stepping in there and sticking his nose in there. You know, the whole thing, though, to me, I think we all have seen that Swift is the more dynamic, explosive, big play back. The problem with Swift has been he can't stay healthy, so they have to find a way to get carries for somebody else to make sure Swift isn't being a 20 to 25 carry kind of guy. And right now, Gainwell's that next guy, which I guess is disappointing when you got a guy in Penny who averages six yards a touch when he's healthy in Seattle and he can't get on the field. So the fact that Gainwell has more to uh, more trust and uh, production from the coaching staff than Penny does, I think you have to go back to a question we asked, I think, two weeks ago. What is Penny on this roster for if he can't get carries? Because Gainwell, to me, I'm sorry, he just, to me, looks like a blah guy. He he doesn't have the the, the burst. Now, maybe that's because you're watching Swift with such burst that he looks like he's in quicksand, but he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the explosion. He just doesn't have that same playmaking quickness that you want from that guy who's the change of pace kind of guy. And I guess if your first guy – is the fast guy your other guy the change of pace guy is the, but that's not what Gainwell's game was supposed to be right yeah um no and that and, and Jody's fair point there I mean should they trust him as much as they trust him probably not um he hasn't uh shown anything oh but he was great in the playoffs John I don't know how many times I oh, heard he was better he was he, he was had better. one really good game he played really well against the Giants well, two uh, games against San Francisco and in the Super Bowl. No, but one great in either one of them. But everybody lumps those games together. Oh, he was great in the playoffs. I he think was great well, in a playoff game. That he he didn't make a lot of mistakes. I think from the Eagles' standpoint, that was there because Mike brings up if you, <clears throat> you know, if you just look at the running aspect of it, um, DeAndre Swift has been top five back in the league. Uh, to this point. Um, and in fact, I'll pull up the PFF rankings. So if you just say running, they have them number six. So right there, top five back in the league, number six. Pass blocking, it's bottom five. He's been awful as a pass blocker. Um, but, you know, that's becoming a, a lost art, another lost art in the NFL. There aren't a lot of great pass protecting running backs. And even though Kenny has been better than DeAndre as pass protector, he hasn't been good either. So yeah, it's, and you bring up Rashad Penny, um, you know, maybe Boston Scott can carve out a bigger role um, in that aspect um, because they need somebody to, to be able to pick up a blitz and they haven't done that well. That's one of the low key. Again, we're nitpicking because they're four and oh, but they they don't have a running back that can pick up a blitz right now. Well, and how much then, guys, is that contributing to some of the decisions and some of the things that we're seeing in this offense? Oh, a lot. I I think, you know, it, I think it was one of the games, it might have been might have been New England. It was New England or Minnesota. I heard a lot of, oh, the offensive line didn't play well. I'm like, I played pretty well. And Jalen's running for his life. 
and a lot of it was the backs uh, couldn't pick up what they were supposed to pick up. And some of it's on Jalen as well. If, if, if you're bringing more people, and it's probably Minnesota because Flores blitzes 60% of the time. Um, if you're, if you're rushing one more player than it's counted for, that's on the quarterback to get the football out. I mean, you're not supposed to be able to block an extra. If, if you're blocking five and they're bringing six, or if you're blocking six and they're bringing seven, that's on the quarterback to get the football out. But yeah, running, running back and pass protection has been an issue with all of them. But I also think that the Eagles aren't going to sweat that. I, I, I'm not sure they put as much emphasis on it. No, as well, because they don't I, have. A, I think a, it's a league-wide thing, and they do trust their quarterback. To right, if if the numbers don't match up, get the ball out of your hands very quickly. All right, Mike, need your take on this one. If Nicholas Morrow has two more sacks this weekend, will the comparisons to Seth Joyner begin? <laughs> John just finished talking to Seth Joyner about should he stay in there rather than Nicobe. Could it go to an even higher level and people start comparing Nicholas Morrow to Seth Joyner, one of the all-time Eagle great linebackers? Well, Seth Joyner is an all-time a a great Eagle linebacker, but Nick Morrow is the only Eagle linebacker to do what he did on Sunday. He is the only linebacker in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles to have 10 or more tackles, three sacks, and a forced fumble in the same game. Uh, He has been highly productive, and I guess it gets to the point of what do you do with this kid when Dean is back? Does he and Dean share the field together? Does Dean just usurp him altogether and he goes back to the practice squad? I really thought they did a good job. Uh, Sean Desai, I see, taking a lot of John Gannon hits now because – the, the secondary has given up a lot of yards and, and first downs and stuff, but I thought he did a really good job of picking his spots with the blitz. He saw we're not getting home with our front, but we'll utilize the impact that our front has. And they sent some delayed blitzes and Morrow was the recipient of three sacks. Not because Morrow yeah. is Seth Joyner or Lawrence any- Taylor. Forget about Seth. Because- it's Lawrence Taylor. Because if you watch Jalen Carter, he takes up two and three guys so that Morrow has lanes that look like DeAndre Swift running the football to go get the quarterback. (laughs) So Morrow's taking advantage of what's in front of him, and good for him, by the way. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think that story's going to be interesting. When Dean is back, what happens to that linebacker position, uh, which has kind of been, uh, you know, solid in his absence so far. I mean, we haven't looked at it. It's not like – Oh, man, I don't know. His, I can't even think of his name right now. I'll just remember. Oh, Nate Geary. It's not like 47's on the field. Where teams Poor Nate, are, man. 47 at. Nate's still taking grief, Nate, isn't Nate, he, John? Nate's still taking shots, man. Poor Nate Geary. Um, he was not good. No, he was yeah, not. But go ahead and tell him. Maybe Gil missed the first 42 times you told uh, the story I, I, about I, why, I, yeah. why the well, Eagles coaches like Nate Geary. They, 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 by the way, they loved him. Uh, and and people would get so angry. I probably said it to you over the years, Mike. They would get so angry at me for telling them that the Eagles coaching staff, like Nate Garrett, Ken Flajol, who was the linebackers coach, loved him. Jim Schwartz loved him. And one of the reasons they loved him is he played an entire season with a sports hernia, and he was banged up, but they had nobody else. So, so they had tremendous – yeah, the, they had, the coaches fell into the. He's a Philly guy. He's Aaron well, Rodgers all of a sudden. No, right? well, it's yeah. it, it, if you don't have a better option, 
and a guy's willing to go through that. Jody brought up to Sean Watson earlier. You know, he's shutting himself down. Yep. If, if, if a guy, if you don't have another option and you're a coach and you see somebody fighting through that, yeah, it's understandable you gain respect. But bottom line, yeah, he wasn't a good player. Maybe to be fair, to he was a safety that they tried to move to yeah. linebacker. He was too small, not good enough. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, but my point being is Nick Morrow, by the way, you know, Nick Morrow was not some guy that it's not like, where did they find him? By the way, Nick Morrow's a safety they made into a linebacker. He played safety in college. Yeah, That is true. But he did have NFL linebacking experience on a bad team that he got to play. and ton of experience, yeah. Yes. 3,600 snaps, he got three sacks. And uh, that said – Four sacks, I'm sorry. Three sacks coming in. That said, um, Nick Morrow, it's not like they just found this guy and what a great – he has been a starting player in this league. So, to have that – filling it now I'm, I'm but do you are you intrigued at all what happens when dean comes back well that's why i brought it up because when seth asked me the question on our post game show i immediately dismissed it and i said no of course nicobe's back he's starting middle linebacker and i started thinking about it after and i said well you know why am i saying that and a lot of it is I got to be honest, is because of the way he played in college, because we haven't seen him enough to know what type of player he is. And I started thinking, well, if Nick Morrow keeps playing like this, and you're right, everything you said, Mike, he's the beneficiary of playing behind that defensive front, but he's playing well. Do you take a player playing well off the field? Um, Ultimately, if you're asking me, yes, I think the Eagles will take him off the field. I think Nicobe Dean will be the starter um, once he's back and healthy. Is that the right decision, though? I think that's a fair question to ask. And my yeah, question yep. is, why can't they rotate the three linebackers that they have? And sorry, Christian, Ellis, you are seriously the odd man out. Uh, but when Nicobe comes back, why can't they just rotate Cunningham and Morrow, and uh, Nicobe, they didn't do it at all last year. I don't know if it's a philosophical thing, but uh, Mike Tenure, who we had on an hour, number one, called it making decisions uh, by package. Uh, who are you going to be? What the other team? Do? Fine. If it just means guys all getting chance, all rotating, guys staying fresh by having a couple of snaps off, I don't think that's a bad thing, but the Eagles looked at it as a bad thing last year. Either that or they didn't think Nicobe could step in and even hold the fort, uh, I'm very intrigued to see if they'll, when when the Kobe comes back, if they'll have uh, all three of the guys playing or if one just goes to the bench. Um, not Would not be my choice. Um, all right, Mike, they go out to L.A., cross country. I mean, we got Eagles history, of course. This is a new team. It changes every single year. Is that of any concern that they got to go all the way across the country to take on uh, the Rams this week? We know they got a better roster, but is – uh, the, the they're going to have more fans as well. Yeah. That's uh, true. That stadium. stadium, yes. No, I mean this trip they've done plenty of times. They've won out there. They won in uh, the soccer stadium, mm-hmm. beat the Chargers. Though they've won in this stadium and beat the Rams. I don't see. Uh, I feel like the whole cross country thing has kind of lost its uh, mystique. It used to be, oh well, the West Coast teams are coming here. They're playing at nine o'clock in the morning. Body clock game. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of lost. I mean, Seattle came over here the other night and whipped up, up on the Giants. And, yeah, I think more and more of these cross-country trips 
uh, are kind of losing their uh, are losing their mystique. Now, I, I mean, anywhere the Eagles go, they're going to have fans, as we know. They're going to travel well. And quite frankly, this is one of those matchups where it's very intriguing because it is a game against a team that has skill players that everybody knows. It's like playing the Vikings. They got skill players. You know who they are. Their line is horrible. <laughs> so this is a game that kind of plays into the Eagles' hands where, okay, we're weaker in the secondary, but your line stinks. So the matchup really is, can the Eagles' defensive front win and dominate that battle? Otherwise, if they can't, and this is what I thought happened in the game last week, I thought they should have dominated up front with more pressure where they didn't have to blitz. That didn't happen, so they blitzed and it ended up working. But I thought the Washington line did a good job as good a job as you can imagine in the interior, because I really thought Carter, Fletcher, Jordan, Milton, uh, Marlin would have got enough push to get Hal off his spots and make him kind of make uh, you know erratic throws. He was comfortable all day. And you talk about the game plan and execution, Jody, calling play calling. There, I I thought their game plan was great, but I thought Hal executed the game plan fantastic. He made the throws. Yeah, I thought decision, he played well. My product of their line holding up. If their line doesn't hold up, Hal can't step up in there and make some of the throws he made. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think Sam played pretty well. And I think that was underrated. You know, they had such a bad game in Buffalo. You, you were going to get the over-correction. And Eric Bieniemy made some nice adjustments, got the football out quickly. So tried to limit the Eagles' defensive front as much as possible. Sometimes you got to give the other team credit as well. One thing we haven't talked about is this is the worst possible week to lose Cam Jurgens uh, with Aaron Donald waiting in the midst. There's a guy who can wreck a game. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, I'm surprised how quickly the Eagles defaulted to Sua Opeta, Mike. Um, now, he played pretty well when Cam came out of that game at halftime. And it, technically, the Eagles' offense was better with Sua than without him. But boy, man, Aaron Donald, they're going to circle Suo Peta. They move them all over the place, depending on where your weakness is. That's the obvious weakness. Aaron Donald's going to be all over Suo Peta. How did the Eagles deal so with do that? you go with the classic Reggie White run right at him, that mold, or do you try to use the other side of the field and go behind Maialata and Dickerson and kind of get away from – from him, do you anticipate seeing a run game and try to neutralize him there? Uh, short pass stuff. That's what you know. The Eagles see a lot because of their pressure. They have teams that just kind of nickel and dime them all day long. Uh, will the Eagles kind of implore that situation? And then that's the time where you start to ask the question. All right, is this finally the game? You're going to have Donald. We're going to get the ball out quick. Dallas Goddard, you're going to have the big game this week. So there's a lot of chess match going on. But you're right because of the teams finding your weakness opetta right now i guess if you're circling the line even if opetta was a pro bowler he'd still be the weakest guy on the line right yeah, yeah. so how scary a thing is that he's yeah. a pro bowler but he's the weakest guy on the line that was isaac. i guess you have a good offensive line yeah. there huh yeah that was isaac last year isaac was i i he was a pro bowl alternate but yeah he's the weakest guy on the line yeah it's pretty amazing i, I He's got the most pressures in football, by the way, Donald this year, uh, and second is Carter. So, yeah. And, and Carter plays year. a lot less, by the way. Yeah, I think it's uh, 87 less. But now, see, people, a lot of people point that out. Carter's played less. 
Carter, even at this stage, people are picking it up very quickly. He does not get the attention Aaron Donald gets. The, the, the fact that Aaron Donald does what he does with the attention he gets, it's unbelievable. And it's been that way for years and years and years. Since By the way, the Chargers, the Chargers just traded J.C. Yeah, J.C. Jackson back to the Patriots. For two late-round picks. Would that have yeah. been a better move than Bradley Roby? Well, he's an outside corner. Right. Same thing. They need yeah. a slot corner. They need a um, slot guy. Yeah. So they wanted, but that's the thing. They wanted. They wanted to get. Obviously, they wanted to get Bradbury back to the outside. Yes. Guy. Yes. Yes. Just and for then, the people who you know, John are going to ask. Yes. When, um, when hashtag Roby? no, right? Hashtag, <laughs> when Roby hashtag gets no. up to speed, then yes, chances are Bradbury will be moving back out. All right, Mike. Last thing. Um, the aspect of the game that will give the Eagles the win over the Rams is blank or the aspect of the game that may add up to the Eagles taking their first loss of the season is blank. Fill in the blank. Give me either the key aspect why they win or the key aspect why they lose. Well, I think the the, the first one is what I mentioned. The offensive line of the Rams is not very good. It, the, the aspect would be if the Eagles pressure Stafford and, you know, He'll probably complete a lot of passes. But, again, the Eagles, people don't like this type of defense. And that's the thing. Washington went on a lot of long drives to score. The Eagles' defense is predicated on, we're going to give you 9, 10, 11, 12 play drives, but somewhere in there you're going to make a mistake or end up with three. Last week they didn't end up with three, and that's the difference. The Eagles' defense did what they do, yards, catches, go for it, but you're not getting six or you're going to make a mistake. Washington made no mistakes, and they converted for six. Can that happen two weeks in a row? Are the Rams going to go on 9, 10, 11, 12 play drives? Eh, we'll see. They make a lot of mistakes. But to me, predicated on the Eagles' defensive line getting pressure and forcing Stafford to get the ball out quick, and the Eagles making the plays and forcing them into three. That would be, to me, how Philadelphia wins. If it's the other way around, it's because they didn't get pressure, and you saw Puka and Tutu and Puka, <laughs> Puka and Tutu. Puka, their Tutu. wide receiver Puka. duo right now. Yeah. yeah, and those guys just catching the ball, a lot of missed tackles. You see these guys all the time that get the Eagles problems. They catch the ball in the slot, and they reverse spin up the field. They get <clears> first down. They keep moving the chains and they convert them into six as opposed to three. If the Eagles are holding you to field goals, long drives, you're in trouble. Mike Gill, always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you very much for hopping on with us. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy yourself at the Phillies game today. All right, boys. We'll see you. Thanks, Mike. Mike. From uh, At Mike Gill's show. Make sure you listen uh, today, 2 to 6, if you're in South Jersey. So he's got a hustle to get up to uh, Philly by the time the first pitch. Yeah, he'll probably leave early. I don't know. He's still there. Maybe that's why he's he's taping some interviews that they'll play to give him a – yeah, and maybe. Head start. Yeah. Uh, There's savvy uh, radio people there, Jody. Uh, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go way out on a limb and tell you the Walt Whitman Bridge is gonna be crowded at seven o'clock tonight yeah. into the city. Yeah, people will be coming. I've in been in that pain many, many a time. I Jody. will be going over the Ben Franklin much earlier than seven o'clock to go to tonight's Phillies game. At ease, McMullen. I'm McDonald. Come back. We got to put a bow on this show.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. J-Mac, the last question I had for Mike Gill was a fill-in-the-blank answer. I'll do the same for you as the last question of the show today. The most important thing you will learn at practice today is blank. Uh, Sidney Brown's health. Uh, He's practicing. I think that's uh, a big, uh, good sign. Not that, yeah. To get through the week. Long-term, obviously, they want to get Bradley Roby into the slot. That seems to be the plan, at least. Uh, but this week, they're going to need to piece it together again. Um, and Sidney Brown's going to have to be a big part of that. And Mike mentioned 808 start. I forget. It's playoffs. So he's got plenty of time to get there. Um, yeah. Billy's, Billy's playoffs. <laughs> uh, still, if he's leaving at 6, if he's on the air till 6, game starts at 8, He's on the bridge at seven something. Yeah, the bridge could be ugly. It's gonna take him an hour. Oh, to get it's to gonna be yeah. It's gonna where be he's hour. at to get to the bridge. But he'll yeah. get there. He'll get there for first pitch. I uh, give him a shot. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk. He's not there with a half an hour to have a beer and a hot dog ahead of time. Let's no. just go there. Um, after Sidney Brown, uh, you think we'll see Evans at practice today? I do. We saw him Friday. Um, I don't think there was a setback, so I just don't think he was ready um and i i do expect him 
to be practicing this week, and I expect him to be back. I'm a little bit more uncertain on Sydney because it's, uh, you know, hamstring. I said it fast, guys. You, you tend to be cautious in that aspect more than if it were an offensive lineman. I'd say, yeah, he'll be back. It's grade one. He'll be back. But with the fast guys, you tend to be more cautious because you don't want to turn it into a six-week injury um, when when you press those types of things. Which Johnny will be back here tomorrow and give us those answers as to who practiced in a limited time to get to watch practice. If you can see anything for first, is he on the field? And then how's he look? McMullen will be here to give you all those answers tomorrow. I'm back tomorrow. You in, John? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Hopefully talking about the Phillies advancing in the postseason. And speaking of that, you got Bill Colorulo coming up next with the Philly Sports Power Hour. He'll surely be talking Phillies, but McMullen and McDonald be back tomorrow to talk birds in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.